Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Thanks for being here on a Sunday morning. The Bible says, uh, don't overlook gathering of the saints and coming together. And it's so, so, so important to do. And I know some of you have been here all weekend on Friday and on Saturday. And uh, I know sometimes uh, Sunday is a good day just to not wake up and just to say, I'm just going to lay in bed and watch this on uh, live stream. But there is something about coming together that will always be. The Lord's called us to come together, not just for ourselves, but for other people to encourage one another. Amen. And I believe God will bless you. It's a way to start the week. I I know that sometimes on Sunday afternoon uh, or on on a time where we had some long, you know, services or a weekend or something, I will go home and I just, I'll, I'll take a Oh, at least about an hour, and I'll take kind of a Sunday afternoon nap. How many enjoy a good Sunday afternoon nap? Yeah. <laughs> I remember a while back that I was taking this Sunday afternoon nap, and I went and I laid down, and we have this California king-size bed, you know, and, uh, and I put on an eye mask. You know, I, I wear this, this, this eye mask, okay? So I'm, I'm sleeping. Oh, man, it just felt good Sunday afternoon nap. And, uh, and I heard, you know, someone get in the bed next to me, and I just assumed, of course, it's Tiffany. She's, that's her spot. And, uh, and so I remember I was just sleeping. I thought, oh, she's taking a nap too. Oh, and I just rolled over, and I, and I just kind of, as, as I do, I'll just put my arm like kind of on, on her arm, and I just went like this, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of just rubbing her arm like this. And then I just kind of came up to her bicep, you know, like right here, and just kind of rubbing it. And then I'm thinking, and I squeezed it. I said, whoa. <laughs> I, know she, I know she goes to the gym like every day. That girl's, that girl's buff. You know, and I, and I squeezed it. And I, man, I had to take off my mask. I said, who's that? It was Miles, you know. He's laying there. Miles lifts every day. He's got these big guns, you know, and everything. And I was here. I'm like, man, why don't you say something if I'm stroking your hand or something? <laughs> You know, you, I know it's my son, but you kind of feel like, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't touch you like I touch my wife. <laughs> so you got to watch those Sunday afternoon naps. Oh my goodness. Hey, we're finishing up today, week four on our friends series, friends series. Week one, we actually started on Easter. Can you believe it? On Easter, and we talked about being a friend of God, that God calls us friends And number two, week two, we talked about real friends. It's important to have real friends, not just that you love hanging out with, though that's great, but that'll keep you in check, that'll keep you sharp, that'll keep you going the right direction. Then we talked about the value of community. Your community is really, really, really important. And today we're going to finish with a message called unhealthy friendships. Somebody say unhealthy friendships. (laughs) Oh, we don't like talking about things that are unhealthy, right? But why are we talking about friends? I mean, come on. Is that just to make people happy? No, friends are super important, and they're all throughout the Bible. It's really, really important to talk about friends. When I look back at my life, I can see that just about in every season of my life, there were good times. There were good things about it. There were hard things about it. There was rain and storm, and there was sunshine in every season of my life. The seasons didn't really change. The atmosphere didn't really change. But the times where things in my life were going well, 
I was doing well through the, the midst of all the atmosphere. And I was going in the right direction. I was serving God. My life felt stronger and felt more together. I could look back at my friends and see that's the people I was running with. I was running with people who paced me, who encouraged me, who walked with me. And then there was times in my life where I hit the storms all alone. Somebody know what I mean? Where, I, where you're all alone and you feel like it's just me and God. And I know, you know, me and God is, is enough. Well, that's not true. He made the body of Christ, right? Which is his body, the fullness of him, Ephesians, right at the end says on verse one, on chapter one, right at the last verse, it says that the body of Christ is the fullness of God. He created us to be in a family and in a body. And I could look at the times that I had friends that I was running with and I could look at times that I had either not so good friends or I was running alone and it was a lot harder to run that way. God's the one who said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. And he wasn't just talking about a wife. He was talking about there's community, there's family. And of course, he created a wife because there was no other person to create. And if he wanted community, he had to create a wife. So um, friends matter. Somebody say friends matter. Yeah. Somebody said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, friends don't really matter. No, friends really do matter. They don't really influence me. Oh, they sure do, and you influence them too. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this. How many know that the Bible is where we get the source of, of information, right? Amen? So Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20 says this. In fact, would you look at it with me? It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Notice he's saying you could walk with wise people and become wise, or you could hang out with fools you know, oh, they're just foolish. Yeah, but are they your friends? And because you're going to become whatever your friends are. You're going to become foolish if you, if you hang with foolish. You get wisdom from uh, who you do life with and, 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 and who you do not walk with as well. It's not just about who your friends are, but it's about who your friends are not as well. Some people say, I have good friends. Yeah, but do you have bad friends? Right? It's not just about having good friends. It's about not having bad friends. It's really, really important. If you lie down with dogs, what's the saying? You get up with fleas, right? You lay down with dogs, you'll get up with fleas. With fleas. Watch who you hand, um, watch how, who you hang out with because you will become like them. You will become like your friends. In fact, when you look at the book of Psalms, it's the largest book in the Bible, the very first verse of the book of Psalms says this. If you know it, would you say it with me? It says, it says, blessed is the man. You can leave that version up right there. But it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the, nor stands, nor sits. Notice that he starts the blessing with what you, who you don't hang around. Not just who you do. So it's not just important to have the right friends. It's important to not have the wrong friends, right? In, in fact, let's read it out of this uh, Psalm chapter one. Uh, verse one, it says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow evil men's advice or who do not hang around with sinners scoffing at the things of God. If you're around people who scoff at the things of God, not just God himself, but even like, ah, you don't need to do that. Oh, you don't need to do that. You think it's not affecting you. It does. It will. And eventually you'll be doing the same thing. So you need to make sure to distance yourself. 
Now, I'm not saying go be in this social bubble like we're just a little Christian bubble over here and we're just us and all these, all these nerds over here that are just hanging out together with our pocket square and we're just us and God and we don't do anything. We're not even associated with the world. We just don't have anything. No, that's not what life's all about. You got to be Jesus was with the world. But I want you to notice Jesus called sinners to repentance too. His point was to love them, to be friends with them but with the hope of bringing them onto the right path and calling them out of darkness into light. Somebody say amen today. So it's not just about who your friends are, but who your friend, who, who, who you're not supposed to have as friends as well. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, it says, the righteous choose their friends. I want you to notice some people just say, I'll take what I can get. But are you supposed to just take what you can get? No, you're supposed to choose your friends, Right. Your friends aren't just to be, supposed to be the people who are around you, but the people who you've chosen to call friend, right? The righteous choose their friends, notice this, carefully, not haphazardly. Some people say, well, I'm just friends with whoever's around. I'm a friend to everybody. Well, that's a casual friendship, and I know we're, we're using that word as that, but when you're talking about close friendships or you're talking about someone who you would really call a friend, you have to choose your friends. It says, but the wicked leads them astray. It's not only important to know who your friends are, but who are not your friends as well. It's your choice, and some will say, I take what I can get, but no, you, you can't do that. You have to choose your friends. Choose your friends. So I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you three things today that you cannot let your friends do. Three things, and write these down. These are important. Three things that you can't, because it'll affect your life. It'll affect you who you are as a person. Number one is this. You cannot let your friends distract you from God's plan. I said you cannot let your friends distract you from the plan of God in your life. Jesus, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, he had just sat around with his disciples after, after being with them for some year, a couple of years, and he sat with them and he said, who do people say that I am? He, he didn't walk around and say, by the way, I'm the son of God. No, he walked around and he just said, let the works prove it, okay? So he said, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets, and he said, hey guys, you've been walking with me. Who do you say that I am? There's one guy who stood up, and guess who the one guy who stood up? It's the same guy who said, when he saw Jesus walking on the water, can I walk on the water, right? It's the same guy who stood up and, uh, you know, after Jesus resurrected and he looked and said, it's Jesus. And he jumped out of the water and ran to him. It's the same guy who like put his foot in his mouth over and over. It's the same guy who was kind of the first one. And who's the first one? It was Peter, right? And Peter stood up and he said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and was like, yes, Simon. Simon was his, you know, his name, but he said, you're Peter, which means rock. And he said, on this rock, I'll build my church, the rock, the revelation of me. He said, and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. And you can imagine Peter standing up and going, yeah, that's right. I'm the model disciple. I'm the model Christian. This is what actually we, we call the Peter principle. He was on top of his game. He was the goat of disciples. He was the man. 
And so what happens when you start to get prideful and you start to get arrogant? Well, sometimes you can take a step a little bit too far, and that's what Peter was known for, right? So what happened? So Jesus, uh, Jesus began to tell them, hey, guys, I'm about to go to Jerusalem right after that. I got to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to persecute me. They're going to uh, crucify me, and I'm going to die and be uh, taken out. And Peter looked at him and said, not so, Lord. We won't let it happen, right? Because, like, here I go again. See, guys, what I'm doing? And Jesus looks at him and he says this statement to him. Look at this. Seems kind of harsh to me. But look at it. It says Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. It says, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. Now, wait a minute. It says, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. He said, why? He said, get away from me because you're a dangerous trap to me. See, just because your friends even can hear from the Lord doesn't mean they're hearing from the Lord this time. Just because your friends, you've trusted them to bring you through and you say, they've walked me through a heart doesn't mean they're, they're speaking God's will this time. Amen. See, Peter was impulsive. Peter wrestled with self a lot. And Jesus knew that, that though Peter could hear from the Lord, he could also hear from the devil. Sometimes just because you can hear from God doesn't mean you can't hear from the devil, right? Or that you don't hear other spirits that are speaking. So what did he say? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, he calls, he calls Satan. Some will say he called Peter Satan. No, I think he called Satan Satan. But Satan was speaking through Peter at the time. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you're a dangerous trap to me. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view. Listen, you don't need friends who are going to distract you from the will of God. I said, you don't need friends who are going to distract you, who are going to take you away from the will of God, even with good intentions. In fact, do you believe that Peter's intentions were pure? Do you think they were right? I think they were right. They, I think they were to protect Jesus and help Jesus. But listen, listen to this. He wasn't hearing from heaven. He wasn't listening to the will of God. And so Jesus looked at him and just said, that's Satan. Now, I'm not saying every time your friend says something like, hey, you know, do this, do this. You're like, shut up, Satan. You know, <laughs> no, we're not supposed to do that. I don't think that was the model what Jesus was trying to tell us. But I want you to notice how serious he took it. That sometimes someone's going to tell you something and when you hear it, you know it's not the Lord. In you, you need to say, that's not, my, that's not the, 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 the Lord. And if they continue to tell you things that are not the Lord, that shouldn't be your friend. That shouldn't be someone that you're walking with. Three things, again, number one, is that you cannot let your friends distract you from God's plan. Just because someone hears from God doesn't mean they don't also wrestle with their flesh and be impulsive about things. Let me tell you about Peter also. Peter was strong, but he still fought following God. Peter was strong, but he still fought following God. Uh, in fact, in Luke chapter 22, let me just real quickly touch on a couple things with Peter, just so you know. I know we're not talking about Peter today, but the, the Bible says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. This was in a different place. Luke chapter 22. Satan has asked for you to sift you like wheat. What does sift you? It's saying to shake you down. Satan's trying to shake you down, so he, so he asked for you to shift you like wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you, notice this, that your faith would not fail. I prayed for you. Sometimes you've got to pray for your friends who are not following the Lord. 
He said, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And notice this, and when you have returned to me, what do you mean return to me? He was telling Peter, you're about to walk away from me, right? He said, return to me? What do you mean return to you? I'm with you. When you have returned to me, he says, strengthen your brethren. He said, Peter, you're about to go on a detour in your life. Peter, you're about to walk away from me. But when you return, I want you to, to strengthen your brethren. Love people. Pastor people. Take care of people. Not knowing, you know, Peter not knowing that he wasn't going to be there. He says, but he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you right now, both to prison and to die. And Jesus said, verse 34, he said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you will deny me three times. See, Jesus said, Satan has asked for you. He's asked you to sift you like wheat, to shake you down. But I prayed for you. I prayed for you. And then in John chapter 21, we see this. Um, uh, John chapter 21, after Peter left, Peter denied him three times. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was raised from the dead. We see the scene where Jesus was coming and he was trying to find his disciples. So where did he first find a lot of his disciples? He found them out fishing, right? So we see here, it's about to come up to that scene, John chapter 21, verse three. It says, Simon Peter said, by the way, the chapter right before Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The very first Christians were in the chapter right before. But I want you to notice Peter was impulsive. He didn't always follow the Lord. Look at what he said. Peter said to them, I am going fishing. There's a lot of people who believe that what he was saying was, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to fishing. Back to from what? From ministry. God called me to ministry. He called me out of fishing, into ministry. And what did Jesus say? He said, follow me. Well, once Jesus says, I'm, I'm out of here, he says, I'm going back to fishing. And guess what happened? When he said that, the, the, the people, the guys that said with him, the disciples, we're going with you also. See, he was leading the church, but he was leading the church back to their, back to their old life, back to what they were doing before. And Jesus had said earlier, when you return to me, take care of my people. And what was he saying? I'm going back to fishing. See, because fishing was his default. Fishing was his, and he wasn't always following and mindful of the things of the Lord, right? He wasn't always mindful of the things of the Lord. Now, Jesus came up to the shore, and he, and he did the same thing as he did the first time. He said, hey, hey, dear friends, did you catch anything? And, and they said kind of the same thing. They must have been horrible fishermen. They said, we caught nothing, right? Cast your nets on the right side of the boat. You know, and the guys are like, they're nets. They kind of swing under the boat. I'm not sure, but Okay. They cast him on the night. And John looks at Peter and he says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Notice the first thing Peter did. The Bible says he put on his coat, right? And he jumps. Usually I'd take off my coat if you jump into the water. He puts on his coat, okay? I know he was keeping his clothes on him. He's, and he jumps into the water and swims to Jesus. See, it wasn't that he wasn't passionate about Jesus. He was passionate about everything. And just sometimes your passions can get you in trouble and can get you close to God and far away from God at the same time. So what happened? John chapter 21, it says, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard it, it says he put on his outer garment for he'd remove it. He plunged into the sea. He swam toward Jesus and then skipped down to verse 15. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus fed him the breakfast and he came over to, and he looks at Peter and he said, Simon, son of Jonah, 
do you love me? They're eating breakfast. They're finishing them up. He said, do you love me more than these? Now, there's mixed interpretation on what more than these are. Is it more than these disciples? Or is it more than these fish? He said, do you love me more than going back to fishing? And Jesus said, well, you know I love you. First time he said, you know I love you. Second time he said, I know I love you. And second time he said, you know all things. Because he remembered when he tried to fight Jesus about what, not walking away, that he denied Jesus. So he looked at him and said, you know I love him. What did he say? Feed my sheep. Right? What did he say? Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. See, he's, he's telling them the same thing. Make sure that your focus is your focus. I know that you're talented. I know that you're gifted. I know you can do a lot of things. Peter, I know you're passionate about fishing and about your job and about a lot of other things. But I want you to know there's really one thing that matters. And it's what I'm calling you to do. And what happened? Well, Peter turned around, right? He said, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. <laughs> feed my sheep. It really was a second call to ministry for Peter. Why? Because he had a call back to his old life. He had a call back, call back to following himself. By the way, it's interesting that it was Peter who wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. He said, and when the chief shepherd comes, I think it was just, he, it was so impactful that his, his life with God's sheep was more important than his life with fish out there. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, he says, and being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd comes, you'll receive the crown of glory. You cannot let friends distract you from God's plan in your life. Number two, you can't let friends tempt you with sin. You cannot let friends tempt you with sin. You remember Joseph in the Bible that Joseph, uh, there was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then his last son was Joseph, and Joseph, many, uh, many colors. There's a play that was written about him, Joseph, many colors. Yeah, that, I don't know if that'll tell you the exact story, but it is a good play. Um, Genesis chapter 39, uh, I want to remind you of something, that Joseph went into prison, his brothers sold, sold him into slavery, and then he gets up to be exalted. He interpreted some dreams, and he gets to be exalted to being the second to Pharaoh. There was no one higher except for Pharaoh himself in all the country. So Joseph is at home. He's taking care of everything for Pharaoh. And his wife is like, look at the Hebrew boy. He looks good, right? And Joseph's over there and he's like, hey, um, no, I, I'm, I'm, I have a role to play. And she's like, yeah, I know the role you have to play, right? He's like, I got to get away from this woman, right? See, she was really empowering him to sleep with her. But what did he do? He had to keep his integrity, right? He had to keep his integrity. And so Joseph, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 12, we're talking about don't let friends tempt you to sin. It says, she caught him by the cloak and she said to him, come to bed with me. I don't think she was just looking to go to sleep. Ha, uh, go, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. She gave him permission and he said he left his cloak and he ran out of the house. Why? Because he couldn't be tempted with sin. Because there was something about Joseph's life that he had to keep his integrity. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Run from anything. If you have friends that are around you 
that you just feel more lustful, more passionate, more like they stir you up in the wrong ways. Don't just think that's not going to influence you. No, the Bible, the Bible says there's a lot of things you need to resist, you need to walk away from, but there's one thing the Bible says that you need to flee. You need to run in stark terror from, and that's lust. That's lust. That's things that are, that's things that are, will lead you downhill quicker than anything will. And don't be around friends who tempt you. If you're around friends who tempt you, the number one thing you can do, yes, you can come up and have prayer. We can pray for deliverance and all that stuff. But the number one thing you can do for yourself is drop those friends. I mean, well, how do I drop them? Just like you drop, uh, uh, you know, poison. You drop them. Why? For your own sake. For your own sake. Drop those friends, right? Stop being around them. Stop associating yourself with them. Um, I'm not saying you can't influence them, but, you, but if you're in a vulnerable place, in a weak place, that's not what you want to be around. You want to run from anything that uh, stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous, righteous living, faithfulness, peace. Notice this. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Well, I don't know if I really like them. They're not cool. I don't really know if I like them. No, the Bible says don't, ar- don't hang around things or people that tempt you. But do what? Enjoy the friendships of people who have pure hearts. Make sure that you associate with purity. Make sure that you associate with uh, those who have a pure heart. In fact, in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, it says this, My child, um, Solomon, is writing the wisdom, wisest man in the world besides Jesus. And he's writing to, to his son, and he says, My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Oh, that's mean. No, it's not mean. It's, it's safety. It's saving yourself for the things of the Lord. Don't let sinners entice you. He says, they say, come with us. Let's, let's hide ourselves. <laughs> he says, they say, let's kill someone. Let's take them out, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't say kill someone. You'd say take them out, right? Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Verse 13, think of the great things we'll get. Come throw in your lot with us. Just for fun, just for our profit. But the Bible says, no, those are shady people. Don't hang around shady people. Don't hang around people who are compromising. Don't don't hang around people who fudge the lines. Step over the line. Fudge the truth. I'm trying to uh, go over these scriptures to say it's so important to abandon unhealthy friendships. The enemy is not going to show up to your front door dressed in red with with the horns like a Halloween costume and say, I'm the devil. Right? He's not going to do that. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll send some of the coolest cats. Right? The cool kids. He'll send some cool cats your way who you associate with and hang out with. And it'll drag you down. Absolutely. And you're trying to run a race that God's calling you to. But you have these friends hanging on you. Absolutely. Don't associate with friends who tempt you to sin. Amen. Amen. And then number three. Don't associate with friends who tear down your confidence. Who tear down your confidence. Who make you not feel like a champion, but make you feel like less of a person. Hebrews 10, 35 again says, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What is confidence? Don't don't think your confidence is a little thing to God. 
It's important to be confident. In fact, when you look at, you know, sports people, you look at musicians, people, you look at people that are musicians, you look at people that are really good at their trade and what they do, there's something that they do carry. It's not an arrogance, it's a confidence. Sometimes it's an arrogance, but I'm saying it's a confidence. It's something that they're confident in what they're doing. The Bible says spiritually the same thing. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Notice, confidence in serving Jesus has great reward. I know that sometimes people will say, oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord. Well, be confident in it. How do I do it? Start hanging with people who are confident in it. See yourself as a victor. See yourself as someone who can overcome. See yourself as someone who can overcome that battle, right? You tend to to have the, the approach that the friends have. But if friends are tearing down your confidence, that's not the friends you need. Don't cast away your confidence for you have need of endurance. Notice, endurance comes from confidence. I said endurance comes from confidence. It's important to have confidence. It's like the Rocky Balboa, old movies, and now there's Creed 3, okay? But it's always the same, you know, thing. They get up on that rope, and it's like, hit me again, hit me again, right? And he's on that rope, and right, he's going back, he's going back, and all of a sudden you hear, dun, 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 What is that? It's the theme of confidence. And he stands up, right, and he starts, to, he starts to get his confidence again. Do you know, in order to serve the Lord, there's an internal confidence? The Bible says, for you have need of endurance. In other words, you can see yourself winning, even though things are going down. You need to hang around people who will keep your confidence. Let them pace you. You pace them. But if people are tearing down your confidence, that's not your friends. That's not your friends. Job. Remember Job? Man, Job, my, our, our daughter told us on the way to church this morning, she said, Job's my favorite book. I said, what? <laughs> I think it says job. You need to get a job. But no, no, no. No, it, it, Job is your favorite book. Oh, I love Job. I said, that's great. Job's, Job's a great book. It has a lot of wisdom in the book. But I remember one time Job is sitting there, and the Bible says that Satan put boils on him. You ever had a boil? Boils from head to toe on Job. And the Bible says that he's sitting there in a pile of ashes and he has pottery and he's scraping the boils. Sorry for you who have imagined, uh, you know, these imaginations and you're throwing up right now, but he's scraping the boils and his wife walks in the room. Could you imagine your wife and you're like, she's going to encourage me. And she walks in, she says, why are you, she says, why are you, in fact, is it on the screen here? She says, "Uh, are, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. What kind of wife is that? Can you imagine your wife comes in, you have boils, you're scraping them off. She says, why are you keeping your integrity? Curse God and die. That's not the kind of friend you want. You don't want a friend like Job's wife, right? It's important to keep your confidence. Keep your confidence. Let us encourage one another. He says, let's not neglect meeting together as some, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, let's not neglect meeting together as some do, but encourage one another. Somebody say, encourage one another. It's not just show up to warm a seat. It's show up to be an encouragement and a confidence builder. Find someone who's down in the room and pick them up with your words. It's so, so, so important. Why do we keep these unhealthy, toxic relationships? Why do we keep these unhealthy, toxic relationships? Well, just real quickly, number one, I think there's there's many reasons, but one is you, you have a fear of losing someone you love emotional needs, codependency, 
What's codependency? It's this excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner. I need them. They need me. I can't drop them. No, listen, not only can you drop them, you have to drop them if you want to go forward with the Lord. If they're tempting you, if they're dragging you down, if they're taking you away from the plan of God. Well, what am I going to do? God will take care of the emotions, but you need to take care of the friend, right? At least for this time until you get into a place that you can love them and help them. I need them. They need me. No, you need God. That's what we need. Another reason that we uh, have these toxic friendships is the fear of being alone. They're my closest friend. Oh, I love them so much. What can I, what, what, what if I can't find another friend like them? The, the, let me tell you, the, the good outweighs the bad in them. I know they have some bad things, but they have good things. But are they dragging you down? Are they dragging you down in life? God is your source. God is going to provide for you and God's going to provide for them. God's going to take care of them and God's going to take... Chances are you're not good for them either. And then a third reason why we keep these toxic friendships, I think there's a fear of losing influence. Because sometimes there are influential people and we need to keep them close, right? Or they're a frenemy. You know, keep your friends close, but your enemies... You have never heard it? Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer because you need to make sure. It's a little bit of a control thing. I don't want to lose influence. I need to keep that. You know what it is? It's not putting trust in God. It's putting trust in influence. And God doesn't like that. That's pride, right? So fear of loss, a fear of losing influence in your life. What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Good friendships require us to trust in God said, good friendships require us to trust in God. Um, Remember this, as you're praying for godly friends, godly friends are also praying for you. Let me say it again, as you're praying and asking God for godly friends, people that you want to run with, there's also godly friends that are praying for you. Be the friend that someone's praying for. Not just look for the friend, be the friend that someone's praying for. Be the spouse that someone's praying for if you're not married. Or if you are married. But you stick with one, yeah. Trust that God's gonna provide you with the right friends. So what do I do in the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? I, I have to drop some friends, and what do I do in the meantime? Well, love God and love one another. I'm not suggesting to you that you're harsh to people and that you're mean to people. A lot of times the reason why people act certain ways is because not only they've made the wrong choices, but they're insecure and they're trying to find a way too. I'm not suggesting you be mean to people, but I am suggesting that you follow the Lord and don't let people drag you down. Don't let your friendships drag you down. I don't care how long they've been a friend. I don't care how influential they are. Listen, here's the friend you need. You need God. And God said that he'd be a friend, right? Who sticks closer than a brother. What do I do in the meantime? Love God and love one another. John chapter 13, and I'm going to close the friend series with this. John chapter 13 and verse 34 says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this, by this, by what? By what? By loving one another. 
By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He didn't say by how much you've been discipled, by how much you know the word, how many scriptures you can quote, how, how well you worship, how, how faithful you are. No, he said by how loving you are to other people. The full sign of maturity, in fact, in the book of First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, when he says, when I, uh, when I uh, was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, what's the whole chapter about? It's about love. The sign of maturity in the believer is their love walk. The sign of a mature believer is not 1 Corinthians 13 at the beginning. It's not whether you can prophesy. It's not how much you give. It's not if you give your body to be burned, self-sacrifice. It's not if you have all faith so that you can remove mountains. No, it's how much you love one another. How much you love one another. My prayer when we're talking about friendships is that there would be so much love that, that you, can't, you can't walk into this room without being saturated with love. You know, sometimes people will walk into this room and they'll start crying. They'll, they'll, I watch it. People walk into church and they start crying. And I say, are you okay? And you know what they'll say to me? Because I've, I've heard it many times. They'll say, oh, I just sense such love in here. Well, do you know what they're trying to say? I sense God because God is love. God is love. I want you to do this right now because friends are important. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, are there any friends that I'm supposed to detach from at this season of my life that are toxic to me? And are there other friends that you're calling me to be friends with, to be a friend to? Holy Spirit, show me, lead me, help me, guide me. Father, I pray for every person in here. I pray that you would lead and guide by the Holy Spirit. Show us how to follow Jesus more accurately. Show us how to walk in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with our Father God. Show us how much you love us and show us, Lord, that just as Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I pray for friendships all over this room right now. I pray that you would lead and guide people, draw people together, pull people together. Lord, and I pray for the most nurturing, loving, fruitful friendships and relationships in this house and through this house. In Jesus' name. And I thank you for in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone who's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, or maybe you did it for the first time today during our communion time, I want to invite you as my friend and as God calls you a friend, I want to invite you into relationship with God, <laughs> which sounds kind of crazy, but God wants to have a relationship with us.
And I want you to, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. It's really a prayer of belief in Jesus and receiving him as the Lord of your life. Would you pray this with me if you mean it with your heart? In fact, could everybody pray it if you mean it with your heart? Would you say, Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sin. Today I call you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you that I get to be part of the family of God. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.